Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture this evening comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. There he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, A person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you all right, are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master. Nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you noticed when watching television or movies or things like that these days, that when people get close to each other or they start shaking hands or touching one another, you get a little nervous for the people on the screens and you just want to shout out, hey, how about a little social distancing, huh? Uh, presume you're a carrier, please, six feet apart, if you wouldn't mind. I think some of the programming that's being built into us right now is probably going to stick around for a bit. We're probably going to see an improvement in the quality of hand washing. We'll probably keep walking an estimated six feet from one another by stepping out into the street whenever somebody else is coming towards us on the sidewalk. I feel a little bit like the priest and the religious scholar from Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, except for in this case, I think it's the good guys who are stepping away and getting a little distance between themselves and the other people. And to be honest, that messes with me a little bit. Like, here, you've got the story of Jesus eschewing the shame and the humility of touching the filthy feet of his followers to embody service. And I'm positive that the disciples did not sanitize their feet before Jesus knelt before them to scrub their little piggies, but he did it anyway. How do we hold this illustration of a fearless humility when love also looks like avoiding cross-contamination right now? 
I think there will come a time when our vigilance will be able to relax. Until then, let's see how this passage shows us about Christ's command that we love one another as he has loved us. And that leads to our first lesson this evening, and that's authority doesn't, doesn't build character, it reveals character. Authority doesn't build character, it reveals character. Before the celebration, Jesus knew his hour had come to leave the world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. A number of different people have been credited with some variation on this lesson, that crisis doesn't create character, adversity doesn't create character, athletics don't create character, These tests and trials are magnifying glasses, making known what exists within us already. If you've got integrity or perseverance, if you've got some sort of encouragement or grit, that's going to show when you're in the scope of these testing grounds. If you're a whiner, a blamer, a corner cutter, or a quitter, that's all going to show up in our times of testing as well. These aren't static parts of our character. Every single person can grow in these traits. But still, if we have a troubling track record, we can't magically assume that gumption and grit will suddenly appear the next time we're put on the spot. Christian character development is a quiet, gradual, unpretentious process of self-reflection, inviting insight into our lives and allowing ourselves to grow. Character doesn't come with easier circumstances, better surroundings, or a fancier title. The disciplines of building godly character usually happen without fanfare, but the results are on display when we're put into the wine press of life. We'll either reveal a fine vintage or sour grapes. It depends on what we have given God to work with. Jesus had an amazing mixture of authority and adversity thrust upon him in that moment. See, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. He knew good and well that he had the power to call down fire from heaven if he liked. He had the power. He also knew the plan of salvation and what that meant. It meant that he'd return to the Father through a painful execution. Authority and adversity both put him into the wine press. And it was on the night of this discourse with his followers While gathered with them to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jesus told them and us what comes forth from this time of trial. When put in the winepress, Jesus produces a new covenant in his blood for the forgiveness of sins for many. It produced timeless fruit from a magnificent vine. The traits revealed were love and humility, service and a clear head. He embraced the mundane and medial. He turned a dreaded act into an act of absolute love. He let others know that the dirt that they've picked up from their journeys would not define them, but an act of love can wash them clean. Under the weight of adversity and authority, Jesus' light would shine all the brighter. Not everyone fared as well as he did in the intensity of the situation, though. That leads to our second lesson. Our discomfort can reveal what God is working out in our lives. Our discomfort can reveal what God is working out in our lives. 
So Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And no, Peter protested, you'll never ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And that's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. I get a sense that Peter did not like feeling out of control. You see that discomfort that comes when he's not deciding his own fate in a few locations, but it's highlighted in these moments around Jesus' death. You won't wash my feet, Jesus. Well, only if you do it this way, Jesus. You can't die, Jesus. I'll fight with you until I die, Jesus. No, no, no. I don't know, Jesus. Jesus is gone. I'm going back to fishing now. He dealt with this discomfort by trying to take charge. And it rarely worked out the way that he hoped it would. It wasn't until he learned to trust Christ's leadership in his life that he grew past his discomfort and into the unshakable peace and the power to lift others to Christ and into life. Our discomforts can be incredible teachers. When I was a much younger man, I really didn't enjoy spending time with older adults. And it took me a while to figure out that it was largely based on a fear of my own mortality and frailty. And as a young man, I didn't want to picture a future where I couldn't be strong and vital in a very limited understanding of both strength and vitality. Walking with people who have faced mortality and frailty head-on has been an incredible teacher for me. It's been transformational. My discomfort has been instructional. And frankly, as someone who is still about 13 years away from hitting the median age of a member of the United Methodist Church, I probably wouldn't do very well in this denomination if I hadn't gotten over my discomfort with older adults, right? Have you ever walked out of God's classroom because of discomfort? Rejected a powerful life-transforming lesson because there's something rebelling inside of you that won't allow you to submit to the shaping love Jesus Christ? I've noticed over time that when we reject a lesson once, God doesn't give up on us. We keep experiencing those same discomforts until we sit down and ask God, what is this about? What's holding me back from accepting what you're trying to show me? Is it my pride? Is it my fear? Is it a wound from my past? Jesus, would you shine a light on this? Help me heal from whatever it is that's holding me back. Walk me into a new way of being through your Holy Spirit, God. I know you're doing this out of love. I know that there's a purpose in this pain. I cannot do it without you. Teach me, Lord. We get to let Jesus wash us clean. We get to let Jesus use these moments of discomfort as powerful teachers in our lives. We don't have to hold anything back. We get to let our whole selves belong to him. And that leads us to our third lesson this evening. Lessons of faith often come through acts of faith. Lessons of faith often come through acts of faith. Verse 12, after washing their feet, Jesus put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you want to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, that slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I've done foot washing exercises with people before. I'm not grossed out by feet like some people are, but there's still plenty of reasons to be creeped out by having acquaintances, even pastoral acquaintances, give you a really bad foot spa treatment. Plus the amount of foot fungus passed on to the fingers of well-meaning Christians participating in remembrances of these acts of humility might boggle your mind. Social distancing saves us from such remembrances tonight, but not from the lesson. Jesus had a way of reminding us that knowing the answer isn't the same as living the right answer. We can have Bible knowledge leaking from every pore, but it's Bible trivia if it isn't leading us to faithful action. But our lessons probably can't come through foot washing right now. To some degree, washing our own selves can be an act of humble love, raising the needs of those who are vulnerable over our own efficiency and our convenience. That's worth singing happy birthday a couple of times while you scrub your hands. How have we seen people loving intensely in this time? How have we seen people take up the authority as baptized disciples of Jesus Christ to evidence the light of his glory? Maybe it's in the countless masks that people have been sewing in their homes. Maybe it's in the folks who put on their masks and go volunteer at the food pantry. Maybe we see it in the neighborhoods where simple acts of putting out teddy bears or colored pictures in windows can be a sign of joy. Have you witnessed it in the generosity of others? Or caught glimpses in the parades of school representatives cruising through the neighborhoods of their students and families? Did you receive an act of humble love in the mail? I've certainly witnessed that love through the selfless medical professionals who are in the front lines of trying to help people recover and stay healthy through this. This is a time when fair-weather, wilting faith will crumble under the weight of the situation. Or people can be transformed by the unique grace that is available to us right now. This is a season when all-weather, die-hard faith is really needed. But we don't get to that point through our maximum efforts. We receive that because we've spent time with Jesus, letting him teach us, wash us, set an example for us, empower us, and encourage us to share that same kindness that's transformed our lives by his gift of grace. A new command he has given us, to love one another as he has loved us. We get to go and do as he's done. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, thank you for the humility that you've shown. Stepping down from heaven to scrub the feet, the crusty, nasty feet of your disciples. To be able to serve them in ways that other people of the time would have turned their noses at, that certainly we would turn our noses at today. And yet, that is how you've shown love through humility, through putting the needs of others in such a position of priority as Christ has lived out love before us. Lord, 
Help us to offer ourselves similarly. Not for our glory, not for our acclaim, but so that our lives might be shaped more and more into the likeness of Christ and that you might receive the glory that you're due. We love you, God, all because you have loved us so richly first. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.